Welcome, everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors educational podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. I'm here today with Professor Yaron Neely at the University of Wisconsin Law School. Professor Neely is the co-author of an article recently published in the Yale Law Journal entitled The Corporate Governance Gap. Welcome back, Professor. Thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. Always excited to be here. So, Professor, what is the corporate governance gap and what led you to write an article about that topic? Yeah, so the corporate governance gap is uh, what uh, my co-author, Kobe Castillo, and I identify as this um, sharp disparity between uh, uh, S&P 500 large cap companies uh, and smaller companies in the corporate, corporate governance arrangements. So across uh, several different metrics of corporate governance uh, uh, arrangement, we see uh, 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 sharp differences in how large cap companies handle corporate governance policies and smaller cap ones. And we, uh, we, we put a lot of data in the paper showing those disparities from proxy access to staggered boards to majority voting. Uh, a lot of things that institutional investors value as good corporate governance practices are strongly adopted in large cap companies, but uh, are much less uh, uh, prevalent in smaller cap companies. Um, as far as how we got to it, um, it's actually a continuation of a project on corporate gadflies that uh, Kobe and I worked on um, 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 a few years ago. And when we worked on that project, one of the things that uh, uh, we looked at is the submission of shareholder proposals by gadflies and other investors uh, to various companies. And we saw a stark difference between uh, the number and percentage of proposals that are being submitted to S&P 500 companies and proposals that are submitted to any company that is outside of the S&P 500. So we told us that when we worked on that project, this is something to flag and to look into more carefully. And we circled back to it a couple of years ago and started to dig into the data and kind of identify these uh, sharp differences, uh, both in the policies and corporate governance arrangements in companies and how different uh, market actors interact with large companies and smaller companies. Professor, two current hot topics in corporate governance are board diversity and overboarding. You collected data on those two issues for your article. So what did you learn? Yeah, so as far as uh, gender diversity, um, you know, um, uh, the, 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 and it, I think the, this is uh, something that we identify on a lot of different corporate governance topics is that the rate of adoption is much more quicker and uh, steeper in um, larger cap companies. So, you know, if you look at the early 2000s, uh, roughly all of the companies in our sample are roughly around uh, 9% of uh, 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 female directors on the board. But as uh, the pressure to uh, diversify boards has increased, we see that the S&P 500 companies have really kind of uh, uh, um, improved in a much sharper pace compared to smaller cap companies. So for instance, in 2020, what we see is that, um, you know, we have 28% of uh, our directors in the S&P 500 who are female, 26 in the S&P uh, uh, 400, 23% in the S&P 600. And when we look at the smaller of companies, the what we call the bottom 200 or Russell 3000, we only see 7% of the directors being female. So we see this sharp difference between companies uh, based on their size. On overboarding, the same thing. So we see, uh, and, and I know you use overboarding 
you know, director interlocks are uh, um, both a concern and a positive, depending on what uh, you're uh, looking at. But as far as service on other boards, S&P 500 companies, directors serve on more uh, boards compared to uh, smaller cap companies in a significant manner. Um, we did an average of uh, kind of like number of other boards cumulatively that directors serve on, and it's around, I think, 10, 10 uh, boards for, uh, for S&P 500 companies and uh, half of that for smaller cap companies. Professor, your article also explores activist campaigns and their impact on corporate governance. What, what were your findings in that area? Yeah, so this really is kind of, I think for, for Kobe and myself, this is the, the, the heart of the paper. So it's not only that we identify, you know, the differences in the governance practices, it's trying to figure out how they are created. And I think our main key point is that uh, the forces of corporate governance creation uh, or diffusion work much more efficiently, much more efficiently and um, strongly in the larger cap companies, uh, and there's much more friction in smaller cap companies. So, shareholder engagement and activism is one of the key channels to which shareholder uh, um, corporate governance is being adopted in companies. And we see uh, a pretty significant difference in how it works on large companies versus small companies. So, if we talk about what I mentioned when we started the conversation about shareholder proposals, we see that in the S&P 500 companies, uh, 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 there's much higher rate of submission of proposals, and that leads obviously to pressure on companies to adopt uh, 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 what shareholders view as desirable practices. We see much less of that in smaller comp companies. When we talk about exempt solicitations by hedge funds uh, with uh, companies, we see a much larger rate of engagement with S&P 500 companies compared to everybody else. Uh, I think uh, uh, roughly... Uh, 30% of the S&P 500 index uh, had exam solicitations in 2020, uh, much uh, lower rates around the 5% for smaller cap companies. Um, activist campaigns themselves is a little bit more mixed. Uh, there is uh, a little bit more activist campaigns on smaller cap companies, but that uh, uh, could be explained by the uh, relatively easier uh, uh, um, uh, uh, need uh, to accumulate uh, a position in smaller cap companies. It's a little bit less constrained uh, on that. One last thing, it's not an activist engagement per se, but uh, one other thing that we find that I think is of interest is that the big three engagement with companies is also much more skewed towards S&P 500 companies. So we, we look at uh, uh, the top uh, big three uh, engagements uh, with uh, companies, they disclose that. And we, what we find is that it's really heavily skewed uh, towards S&P 500 companies, much less engagement uh, with smaller cap companies uh, for the big index uh, uh, mutual funds. Final question. Professor, the last section of your article discusses the policy implications that arise from the corporate governance gap. So what are the policy implications you've identified for our listeners who are investors? And what are the policy implications you've identified for our listeners who are regulators? Yeah, so so um, for investors, let's have investors. And I think what we are hoping investors are going to start doing is really kind of approach corporate governance more holistically, not just focus on the tip of the iceberg on the largest companies, but also pay attention uh, to smaller cap companies. And I think it's important because 
even though large cap companies really uh, are uh, uh, a large uh, chunk of the market cap of U.S. Uh, equity markets, smaller cap companies still account for roughly a third of, of that market, and they can have significant impact, um, especially when we talk about uh, the importance now or the attention that is being uh, uh, um given to ESG impact or stakeholder concerns more uh, uh, broadly. You know, those companies have a large spot of employees. They have a significant impact on the communities in which they are operating. So investors really need to have more equitable, broad-bridge engagement approach instead of the top-heavy uh, uh, approach that we are currently seeing. Uh, part of the things that they can do is adopt specific corporate governance guidelines that are targeted for small cap companies, really trying to address and help them catch up on some of those corporate governance policies that they are uh, behind compared to larger cap companies. Um, they need to uh, require or demand companies that are smaller cap to disclose more information than they currently do, so it will be easier to know where they stand on various governance policies. I can tell you that uh, we had to end collect a lot of the information and smaller cap companies traditionally are uh, less, uh, uh, do a le not as good of a job as disclosing, as far as disclosing their uh, uh, policies. And uh, um, as far as regulators, um, uh, we uh, think this is complementary, but definitely we hope that regulators understand that uh, smaller cap companies might need uh, a more targeted approach, both as far as their disclosure practices, um, as well as enabling uh, um, engagement with those companies in a way that will compensate with the fact that we see a heavier emphasis on S&P 500 companies. So for instance, uh, uh, if we talk about retail investors, uh, we've seen this rise of virtual annual meetings uh, um, as a response to COVID, but there is an argument to be made that maybe uh, those can be facilitated in a way that will allow shareholders to engage with smaller cap companies in a less costly manner rather than having to fly to a physical meeting. Um, and finally, as far as uh, uh, the proposed uh, regulations on activist campaigns and shareholder proposals, um, the SEC has seemed to be uh, taking positions that might make it harder for investors, both activist hedge funds and uh, retail investors, to engage with um, with smaller cap companies. We've seen, and uh, uh, you know, the SEC has kind of reversed course on that, but we have seen the proposal to increase the thresholds on uh, shareholder proposals. Uh, and we are uh, seeing right now the proposed regulation uh, as far as the 30D disclosure windows. Those might make it harder for activist investors to engage with smaller cap companies. So that is definitely a concern. That concludes our podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank Professor Yaron Neely, Associate Professor of Law and Smith Rowe Faculty Fellow in Business Law at the University of Wisconsin Law School. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at Jeff, J-E-F-F -F, at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening.